Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our written Savior, I am Simon Peter, one of the first 12 followers of Jesus. How great it is to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now I want you to know that we do not follow cleverly invented stories about Jesus the stories of his coming, his teaching, the miraculous wonders he performed, and yes, the resurrection are not something made up. No, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We, who were devastated by his arrest, his suffering and his crucifixion, we saw with our own eyes, we heard with our own ears, and we touched with our hands the evidence that God had indeed raised Jesus from the dead. And the power of resurrection morning remains with me to this day. But all the joy of this day begins with his suffering. Jesus committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth, and yet our religious leaders condemned him to death. Pilate found no basis for a charge against him. And yet when the crowds cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate gave in to their demands. The soldiers severely flogged Jesus. And then they took a purple robe, wrapped it around his shoulders. And after they had fashioned a crown out of thorns, they took it and shoved it into his brow. They mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they forced Jesus to carry his cross to the place outside of town where they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross. And then they took Jesus, lifted him up, and crucified him. In desperate pain, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus breathed his last, everything within me died with him. God, why have you forsaken us? How could you let your Messiah die? For three days our lives were filled with darkness. We could not see that Jesus had died on our behalf. That he was the Lamb of God. He shed his precious blood so that we can be forgiven. All we knew was our own grief and despair. The end had come. Our hope had died. Jesus was gone. After the Sabbath, very early on the first day of the week, the women 
made their way to the tomb. They wanted to anoint Jesus' body for burial. My friend John and I sat together in silence. The darkness seemed to eat at our souls. Suddenly, shouts broke the silence, and Mary Magdalene came running to us. She said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Fear and pain stabbed through my heart at her words. We didn't wait to ask further questions. We got up and we ran. I had to get to the tomb. I had to see for myself. John always was quick on his feet. Although both of us were running, he outran me and reached the tomb first. I saw him stop, bend over, and peer into the darkness. A moment later, I caught up and I did not stop to look in. I just ran straight in the tomb. It took my eyes a while to adjust to the darkness. Then I saw the strips of linen lying there. And the cloth that had been around Jesus' head was separate from the rest. Then John stepped in and joined me. John told me later that it was in this moment, in the tomb together, when he first believed. But I did not know what to think. Jesus' body was gone. If someone had stolen it, would they not have snatched the body and the grave clothes together? Or I suppose they would have stripped the body, leaving the grave clothes in a disorderly heap. Why was everything left so neat and orderly? The shock of the past few days seemed to cloud my mind. I went away wondering by myself what had happened. I walked slowly, not even aware of where my feet were taking me, my mind rushing with so many thoughts. God, what are you doing? How can this fit into your plan? Have you forsaken us? And then I heard his voice, the voice of the master calling my name. I turned and looked and there, beyond all hope, there stood Jesus, alive and well, strong and whole, his face radiant with joy. Amazed and awestruck, I fell on my face before him. The joy was almost too much to contain. Could it really be true? Jesus, alive again. I recall Back when we were in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had asked us, Who do you say I am? I immediately replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believed it. But in this moment, lying on my face at the feet of the Master, on the day of His resurrection, His Lordship took on new meaning for me. Jesus was alive. There was nothing impossible for this man. We had seen him feed thousands with a small lunch. He had healed the paralyzed, the deaf, the blind. He cleansed lepers, drove out demons. He walked on water. He calmed storms. He raised the dead. But none of that compared to this moment. 
Jesus had conquered death. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Looking back, Jesus had told us that his death and resurrection were coming, but somehow we, we had missed it all. It was hidden from us. And so I lay there prostrate before my Lord, remembering how he had told me all of these things and humbled that I had been so slow to believe all he had spoken. How foolish it was for me to spend the last days in such dark grief when he had said he would come to life. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then Jesus spoke to me. He said, rise, Peter. I have work for you to do. The others do not yet believe. Go and tell them I am alive. And so I got up. I went to the room where we were staying. I found the eleven and the others who had assembled together with them. And I said, it is true. The Lord is risen. Later that evening, as we were still processing this news, we heard knocking at our doors. Now, ever since the crucifixion, we kept the doors locked for fear that, that the Jews would come to kill us next. But finally, we opened the doors and there were Cleopas and another disciple. We had thought they had gone to Emmaus earlier that day, but they burst into the room saying, He is risen! And we said, He is risen indeed! And then they told us their story. They said on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they had begun discussing all these things. And on that seven miles, a stranger came along. He walked with them. He asked them what they were talking about. And when they had told him, he rebuked them for being so slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained all that the scriptures said about how the Messiah had to suffer these things before his glory. They told us it wasn't until evening when their new friend broke bread with them that their eyes were open. And they realized it was Jesus. And he disappeared from their sight. And while we were talking with Cleopas, suddenly Jesus himself came and stood among us. And he said, peace be with you. Even after all the stories of those who had encountered Jesus that day, many in the room were troubled and doubts rose in their minds when Jesus appeared to us. Our first reaction was fear, thinking we saw a ghost. But Jesus reassured us. He said, look at my hands my feet. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And then he showed us his hands and his side. And we were overjoyed when we saw the Lord. The next morning, Jesus was gone. What now? The women reminded us that Jesus had told us that we were to go to a mountain next to the Sea of Galilee and that he would meet us there. So we began the journey. And as we traveled, I recalled everything that had happened. And I felt such shame at my actions. A week ago, I had been so confident. 
when Jesus told us that his suffering was coming, he warned us, you will all fall away on account of me. And I said, even if everyone else falls away, I will not. Jesus said, Peter, I tell you the truth. Today, before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you know me. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. That night when Jesus was arrested, I thought I was doing him a favor. I was ready to fight for him, not run away. And so I drew my sword and I struck at the one closest to me. It's a good thing I missed and only took off an ear because Jesus rebuked me saying, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And he reached out and healed the man instantly. I do not recall what exactly happened next, just that they took Jesus away and I didn't stop them. I let it happen. But I had said I would rather die than run away and so John and I followed at a distance. John was able to get us into the courtyard of the high priest and we waited to see what they would do with Jesus. That's when people started to recognize me. The first was a young servant girl. She said, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus. She had caught me. I didn't know what to do, so panicked, I lied. I do not know or understand what you're talking about. It was cold, and so when I spotted a small fire, I went over and began to warm my hands. Then someone else approached and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. What was I to do? If these people recognized me, then they would turn me over to the religious leaders as well. And so I denied it with an oath. I swear I do not know the man. About an hour later, it happened again. This time, it was my accent that gave me away. Those near me said, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean. And I began to call down curses on myself. And I said, I swear I do not know this man you're talking about. And just as I finished speaking, a rooster crowed in the distance. And Jesus turned and he looked straight at me. Shame and horror poured over me and I ran away. And I wept, and I wept bitterly. <laughs> On the journey to Galilee, the shame returned. I had failed Jesus in the middle of his pain. How could Jesus love me now? I should have gone with Jesus to the cross. Instead, I had run away. Jesus could never use me. I should have been with him in his darkest hour. Jesus could never forgive me now. These thoughts continued to plague my mind as we arrived in Galilee. Jesus had not yet appeared to us. And so uncertain of what to do next, I decided to do the one thing I knew how to do. I said, I'm going out to fish. And 
Thomas and Nathaniel, James and John, and two other disciples said, we'll go with you. So we went out and got into the boat and began to fish. We fished all night long, but we caught nothing. Early the next morning, we had given up and were making our way back in when a man called to us from the shore. We squinted in the sunlight as he said, Friends, haven't you any fish? And we said, No. He said, Throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. I grew indignant. Oh, Nathaniel, that's what we've been doing wrong. We've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. I got ready to shout back at him, keep your opinions to yourself. Leave the fishing to those who actually know what they're doing. And just as I was getting ready to hurl a string of insults at the man at the beach, I heard a splash as the other disciples threw them into the water. I turned and looked and the net was full of fish. So many, we were unable to haul it in. And that's when John said, it's the Lord. Of course, Jesus. As soon as he said, it is the Lord, I grabbed my outer garment, wrapped it around myself, and I jumped into the water, starting for shore. The others followed in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for it was not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When I got there, Jesus had made breakfast. I saw a small fire of coals with some fish on it, and he had made bread. And he said, go and get some of the fish you've just caught. And so I grabbed the net and dragged it ashore, and it was full of large fish. 153 and even with so many the net had not torn and Jesus said come and have breakfast he took the bread and gave it to us and did the same with the fish after we had finished eating we began to make our way to the mountain where we would meet the rest of the disciples Jesus and I walked together the rest of the disciples followed behind. And as we walked, just the two of us, I felt shame rise up within me again. As my mind turned back to when I had denied Jesus, Jesus must have known what I was thinking because he broke the silence with a question. Simon, son of Jonah, do you truly love me more than these? And I said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. We kept walking, and a little while later, Jesus asked, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? I said, yes, Lord. Do you know I love you? Take care of my sheep. And then Jesus asked a third time. He said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this time I was hurt. Because Jesus had asked the third time, do you love me? And I said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Then he went on to say, I tell you the truth. 
When you were young, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you're older, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. I realized what Jesus was talking about. He was saying there would come a time when following him would mean I would have the opportunity to die for him. There would come a time when following Jesus would mean I'd stretch out my arms and be nailed to a cross. And then Jesus said, follow me. And in that moment, I faltered. If following Jesus really meant I would come to that kind of end, was I willing to do it? I looked back and I saw John following behind us. And I said, Lord, what about him? Will following you mean that he has to die a violent death? And Jesus said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And as we continue to walk, thought about the truth of his words. Each of us has our own path to follow. That journey will have its own pains and trials. Jesus never promised that following him would make this life easy or comfortable. You may face certain things that others never experience. But what is that to you? You must follow Jesus. I'm walking by my Savior that morning. I resolved that because of my great love for him, I would follow him. No matter where it led, no matter what pain may follow, I would follow Jesus. And what about you? If Jesus said to you, do you truly love me? What would your response be? If he told you that following him would mean pain and persecution and trouble, would you follow him all the same? I encourage you, it is worth it. Follow Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast. To him be glory forever. Amen. And may the grace of God cause you to grow in faith and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so that when the Lord appears, you will receive the crown that will never fade away. Peace to all of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.